Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week we're talking about the rules as they are written, and how important it is to play by the letter of the rules, and is it ever okay to ignore or change those rules? Yes, we've done an episode on house rules, and there may be some overlap here, but today we're going to really focus in on why the rules are so important. Or are they? But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, and the Gift of Games and Grays Lake. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Okay, so we were going to do a feedback and questions episode this week. But, um, for reasons... Well, Spencer wants to come on and defend himself from our episode <laughs> that we did last week. And he's not able to join us tonight. So he's going to join us next week, which gives everyone else the opportunity to send us in feedback or questions on anything we've done in the past few months. And we will include it in that show. If you have not entered our contest now, or not contest, but drawing giveaway, now would be a great time to do that. Say, hey, here's a question. And also enter me in for the giveaway for all of 2021. And we will do that too. Kitty, you were going to say something and I rudely interrupted you it just gives me another week to uh find my second mic or do i not have to be on next week's episode no no no. you have to be on next week's episode because i'm only letting spencer Uh... be on for about 15 minutes and then i'm kicking him off so we can do the rest (laughs) of the episode in fact i may not even let him on until the last 15 minutes because we could go long on that one so (laughs) just saying i'm preparing for these things um how are you guys this week's been you know uh Yeah, my week's been good. Nothing, you know, nothing I, too eventual. I ask you this question every single Monday night. And we're never ready for it. <laughs> never, ever. It's always, it's always like, fine. Chris, um, it's, I it, got to it's play during COVID times. This week. Nothing is happening. <laughs> I got to play Calico this weekend. I pulled that one out with my mom and my brother. So that was really fun. I found a section of the rule book, which I think I had just kind of glanced over before where it gives you scenarios, which now makes me more intrigued to solo play this one where you set up, you like choose your starting thing. Um, and you can like create, like you unlock achievements basically that it's given in the book that you can like check off boxes. So that makes it more fun for me to play solo instead of just like, yeah, I won against an arbitrary number. Yeah. Yeah. There's more to it than that. So so that's what I did this weekend. How about that? Well, that's something, Is that a good that's, answer? That's a good answer. <laughs> I like it. I Let's see. I've been playing this basement. So we moved the offices to the basement and everything's in the basement. I've never heard of this basement game. It's, it it's a fantastic. It's, it's, it's a fantastic game. Um, but just there's a little bit of history. If you've been listening, you know a lot of this already. But I I had a gaming table that was incredibly too big for the game room upstairs. <laughs> so I built out the basement so I could fit the gaming table in it. Um, so he decided to add an game- addition to his house. Exactly. And it works. Um, so the game room upstairs is now the playroom because the kids aren't allowed downstairs. But this table is counter height for most part. It's maybe an inch or two short, shorter of counter height. And I'm a stander. Like, I stand every place. I have gotten more games played at this table just because it, of where it is and the height and everything. I, it's phenomenal. I played Barkham Horror, um, which that was not a misspeak. Did Barkham you say Barkham Horror? Horror? Barkham Horror. Horror. Yep. This yeah. is Canine a- Edition. <laughs> yeah, standalone version of Arkham Horror where you are playing. There's five investigators that are based are dog investigators based on the other on the real investigators. So you build up a thing and you're trying to prevent a cat McGruff the crime dog. So <laughs> exactly, I I played Duke because I like Duke, and yeah, so that was it's hilarious. It's not overly difficult, but it is so much fun. Um, I pulled out Dice Throne Adventures, which has just been like three boxes sitting in my game room forever. But now I'm, that's currently set up on my table. Um, yeah, I've just, I've gotten so much stuff to the table and I'm still realizing that I don't have enough time at all. But at least with it set up, I'm able to go out, play a few games, uh, and have a good time with it. So yeah. Also, um, I found out that I'm in quarantine for two weeks. So that's cool too. That by itself is not a problem. I, I rarely leave the house anyway. 
the fact is my kids can't go to daycare because actually my youngest daughter, who's turning seven months today, um, she was exposed at daycare and now they can't go. So for the next two weeks, I'm a family of four stuck in a house and that's not fun. I love my kids. Not 24 um, seven. <laughs> it's, it's painful. <laughs> okay. There's, there's a lot of chat in the chat in the chat um oh yeah we can't actually say any of this live so that reminds me if you want to know <laughs> what's being said in chat you should join us every monday night at 8 30 join us uh go to tabletop game talk slash live we can read what tabletop kitty's drinking she said, kitty said i'm drinking garbage <laughs> <laughs> to give you a hint of what might have been talked about before and during the show uh but yeah good times good times by all um (laughs) terrence i need to give a shout out to terrence terrence posted something on bgg apparently the board game geek award nominations are open i'm going to put a link in our show notes click on that link click on podcast at the top of that page click on tabletop game talk and click nominate that's all you have to do boom that's four clicks four clicks and you're in for everyone in our live audience (laughs) I'm just going to post it in chat, because why not? And they're going to do it while they listen to us. And, you know, let's see if we can make a blip. (laughs) Could happen. We were just talking about how we're going to be five years old in August. So, you know, it's about time. Yeah, you can just keep making a podcast over and over again, and it (laughs) doesn't make it any better. Mm -mm. I'm pretty sure we've gone downhill, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, so there are we, twilight years. We just don't yeah. know it. <laughs> so when they're like, okay, give us a representative sample, it's like, um, episode 52. But that's three <laughs> and a half years old. I'm like, yeah, we peaked. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. That's all we good. We get a new guy. He's not as good as the old one. Yeah, yeah. No longer have a Brit I'm involved. curious if we have listener favorite episodes. I think that. Sadly, drinking games is the only one that anyone ever remembers. <laughs> it, it, that was my favorite episode. Um, yeah, I would. I should. I should throw up. <laughs> it a was poll. memorable. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't I remember it. <laughs> Christopher says drinking games and the three intervention ones. I I would agree. Those ones are probably the better ones. Oh, and we have rule books. Rule books is a good one. Um, yeah, we're actually we know the topics we're doing this month already. We're not bringing back rule books just yet, but sort Something of this might episode might be coming out of the vault. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But yeah, we're, are we going to creak it open? I we're gonna we're gonna, but we're not calling it what was put in the vault. It's going to come out after being in the cocoon, and it's going to come out as a butterfly, <laughs> <laughs> undergoing a uh, metamorphosis. I think it's a moth. <laughs> All right, fine. We're just going to come out as something. We'll fi- figure out afterwards exactly what. Yes, John. So again, if you were in the chat, you would know what I just yes, John, about. Um, <laughs> which was this exact topic. Most people should be able... There's only a few things in the vault. Rule books are one of them. Um, and I don't think that will... I don't know. We'll see. That might come up today. Um, I, I just... Today's topic. All right. Are we ready to get into today's topic? Because... I am fresh off sure. of Board Game Geek. And <laughs> what it, does that it mean? Needs to be, <laughs> it, it's, I it was just clicked the back button. For this topic. <laughs> just before I, we connected, I, had pit, I put post on my most recent post there. So to give a little bit, so we're talking about rules as written and abbreviated raw. You know, are you playing raw? Typically, we play board games. Rules is written. We tend not to change the rules. Sometimes we misunderstand something. Sometimes something might not. I make vote sense. we change that acronym. Um, I would love to, but it's not my acronym. I didn't do it. Uh, rules as presented. Rap. Does that work? Just the rules. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're one of them. All right, perfect. So typically we do play board games by the rules. Um, but there are times when. There are reasons not to play by the rules, to change something, to interpret something differently. So if I take this rule literally, it means this. But if I interpret what was intended, it means that. Those type of things. And that's sort of what we're talking about right tonight. (laughs) Ooh, Terrence did the legwork and dropped your 
your thread in the chat for us. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. So um, before I get to that, because I will, I'll talk about why, what stemmed this off, what stemmed this off, what kicked this off, what stemmed this discussion. I don't know, whatever it was um, in a second. But first, I want to ask you guys, um, and I'm going to start with you, Fletcher. Are the rules always right? It's a loaded question. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I suppose so, because it's what shipped with the game. But, like, if there's an obvious typo or something that's obvious and it's, like, I, I don't know. Like, they, clearly they meant to, you know, say, like, you move two spaces forward instead of two spaces back. Or, like, you get two hit points as opposed to deduct two hit points and like that. Um, barring those kind of, like, exceptions, I would say yes. But, I mean, these are game <laughs> rules. So, it's just an instruction set. I love that answer. And I agree with everything you've said. I have additions. But Kitty, are the rules always right? I'm going to take Christopher's answer right out of the chat because it's good. Are the rules <laughs> always right? Yes. Are the rules always good? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will take that as well. Um, I think all of these answers are, are correct. I also think the rules can be wrong. Um, and I think it depends on how much, uh, you know... John actually mentions, you know, who are you to question the game designer? Well, you are the person playing the game. So you get to question the game designer. You get to question the rules. You get to question whether or not you like this game or not. And if you decide that you want to play by the rules, but there's one rule in there that you just don't like, that will that may spoil the entire game for you. Maybe you can look past it, maybe not. But it could be like, okay, I love this game conceptually except for this one thing and it's a deal breaker and i just i can't play this game because of that so in that case is the designer gonna if you were talking with the designer hey joe designer i love your game everything about it except for this one aspect it just makes it so i i can't play it is joe designer gonna be like great don't play my game or is joe designer gonna be like you know something sure tweak that rule it's your game play it the way you want to what is joe designer gonna say I don't care. Do whatever exactly. you want. Exactly. I already have your money. Uh, yeah. Did you buy my game? Then exactly. I don't care. Now, there are some designers who I will leave names unmentioned, and these are typically new designers that get very passionate when someone once asks them, hey, I was thinking of this house rule for your game. What do you think about that? And these designers get very upset when you question their design. That is fine. That is also a completely valid response. I'm not saying that's not valid. So the only designer I've heard from on this topic has said, don't ask me about a house rule if you haven't played the game already. Mm -hmm. Don't house rule the game before you play the game. Because I will see people suggest house rules on BGG and say like, hey, this is how we do it. This is our house rule. This is what we think works right. And then other people will go to the designer and say, like, hey, this is what people are saying I should do. And the designer is obviously going to say, no, you should play it by the rules that I wrote, you know. And, yeah, if you're playing it and it's not working for you, I think a lot of designers will give some leeway. Like, you know, if it's not fun for you and you have found a way to make it fun, I'd rather you enjoy the game. But I don't want you to right out of the gate. I'm going to disregard half of what you said and come up with my own thing. Like, that's not the point of a game. What is a game? A game is a set of rules that you follow. If you're breaking the rules, are you even playing the game? And that is the sentiment that I see quite often. And I will say, yes, yes, you are. Yes, you are playing the game. But I know that there are people on the other side of it saying, no, you're not. You're not playing the game by the rules. So therefore, you're not playing the game. You're playing something else. I think both of those opinions are valid. Mine's more valid to me, but yours is valid <laughs> to you, right? <laughs> but there and and there are games that will come out and simply say, "Hey, this is the rules. If it's not working for you, change them." Page one of every role playing book you've ever read probably says this because there are games are. Like they're different completely different thing for this <laughs> they are yeah. but we've gone at, at we've actually gotten into a situation with especially with co-ops and board games where they're starting to overlap more and more and more so when you're talking about a co-op game now 
we'll get to competitive games in a second. But when you're talking about a co-op game and your group is playing against the board, that is not much different than playing a role-playing game against a DM or GM. If your group is not having fun with that co-op game, but there's a tweak to the rules that would make it fun for you, make the tweak to the rules. Make it fun for your group. Don't feel like, well, if I'm not playing it by this rule, therefore, you know, I'm not really playing the game. You are. You're playing your version that your group is having fun with. Again, that's my opinion for me. I love that you guys have different opinions on this, though. (laughs) I mean, there's so many nuances here. Because I do think the first time you play a game, you should play it rules as written, for sure. I think that you need to know what you are getting into. And, you know, it might take you even a few playthroughs to figure out, yes, I've gotten this all right. There's so many times you accidentally break the rules. We've talked about this so many times in cheating and everything, you know. It And you need to get the rules right before you can decide if something needs to be changed. So that's step one in any game is that you need to figure out how do you play by the rules as written is, is step one in playing a game. Yeah. yeah. Chris, what game were you playing uh, when you were, you were breaking the rules? You were just talking <laughs> um, about it. There's, there's been a... An- right. I think well, so Solomon Kane is- was the one he was just talking about. Nope. Nope, nope. I wasn't. Act- well, yes. Solomon Kane was the one where I was breaking the rules accidentally. <laughs> yes. It's like Dark Souls. It's not Dark Souls. It's the video game game. Um, Bloodborne. Bloodborne is yeah. the other one Bloodborne. where I need to I need to change the rules in Bloodborne in order to enjoy it. Otherwise, I hate the game. There are so many things I really like about the game, but it is unplayable rules as written. I've played it seven times to come to this conclusion. I have no desire to go back to the- playing that game rules as written. None whatsoever. I can't stand the game, rules is written. But I I want to answer a question real quick that Matthew had. Doesn't a co-op game rule change potentially nerf the challenge of the design? A hundred percent it does. But most co-op games already have ways of changing this and scaling that difficulty. So if you want to change a particular rule and that makes it too easy or too hard then you can apply the difficulty scaling on top of that to adjust for that rule change. Now, in a co-op game, so to answer, to go back to games that I've actually changed the rules with, Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven is a fantastic game. I cannot play it rules as written. The main thing I cannot stand about Gloomhaven rules as written is how they handle elements. It drives me nuts. That when I generate an element on my turn, even if it's an an elemental item, I can't use that element until my next turn. And so so many things can change that. Like, it it totally takes me out of having a fun experience with that game. Plus, I think the elemental track itself is just too fiddly for almost no payoff to make it worth actually including in the game. So when I play that game, I remove the elemental track. It's either on the board, literally put it on the board, or it's used and we remove it. We don't worry about fading it out or any of that. And an elemental item, if it's an item, you generate the element, you can use it right away. That is what our group did, and it made the game much more fun for us. It did not... If it affected the difficulty, I didn't notice it. It didn't matter. We were having fun with the game, so it didn't matter if it, the difficulty was changed. Um, so that's that's one of the ones. I will say when I typically, though, when I look at a game and I'd be like, you know something? I think I'm going to house rule this. I typically be like, yeah. I Yeah, this is how, probably how I would rule it, but I'm already past it. The game's broken in some regard, so this is how I might fix it, but I'm going to move on. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Fletcher, you've played Gloomhaven. If I said, yep. if you were over at my house playing Gloomhaven, and I'm like, okay, this is how my house plays this game, would you be like, this is appalling. You're not actually playing Gloomhaven. I'm out of here. No, because most of the time when I'm trying to follow the rules and actually do the fade in and out of element, because that's the thing that always gets me, um, is I forget half the time Mm -hmm. I forget. And then it's also difficult because you can't you can't create an element and then use it like on the same on your same turn. Um, So it, it becomes like almost needlessly fiddly to like make sure that you do this one thing so you can generate the element and then on your next turn you can use it and like hopefully like nothing else uses it in the meantime because then you just like so you 
you know, now, now you set up for failure. So exactly. uh, most and of the time we just forgot that it, it wasn't even there. Like we, we yeah. just forgot to track them correctly. Yeah. And that was our big thing is we, we just didn't track it. And we're like, it just doesn't matter anymore. Right. It's, it's just doesn't matter. And so let's just not pay attention to this. And we only change the element when the element changes, when you generate it or use it. We put it on the board and take it off. And it made that part of the game so much easier to manage and, in general, more fun. Um, the other thing that I don't do in Gloomhaven, again, this is um, these are common house rules. Well, actually, I don't know the element one is actually that common. But the one, this one, where you control what you summon, you don't use the monster rules for summons, Um that's another one that I know is relatively common, and I don't care that it makes a couple classes better. That's fine. It makes them more fun as well. So, like, those are the type of, you know, yeah, we could play it raw if you wanted to, but I'm not gonna. I'm gonna play it the way that's fun for me. Okay, so, I the original question, though, I asked is, are the rules always right? And you guys gave me answers that are typically yes, um, because of the rules. But then... I posit, why would there ever be a second edition to a game if the rules were right the first time? Um, well, I mean, <laughs> they can... So, you're saying, like, are the rules right? Like, well, yes, I guess so, because they're come up by the designer, the creator, you know, whomever. But there's nothing to say that, like, they can't improve upon the rules or simplify them or rewrite something to make it more clear what the intended effect was or something like that so yeah i mean there's nothing that's like set in stone right like these aren't there's no like i don't know they're not they're not the ten commandments i, I don't know <laughs> i don't know how to frame i don't know how to frame it like the these things can be updated and changed like these are written by humans humans can update them like it's it's how everything should be addressed yeah so back to my original answer the rules were right for the first edition but that doesn't mean they were good I've, okay. I've stolen yeah. my answer from Chris, <laughs> Christopher uh, Dong in the chat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because they were right doesn't mean they were good. And just because breaking them made the game more fun doesn't mean you were necessarily playing the game right. Right and wrong, though, does not equal to fun or not or good or bad. You know, right is one way of looking at it. And to be correct... And not fun I, isn't good. But to be incorrect, like, you know, I think games should be fun. And I think designers want their games to be fun. But I also think not every game is for everyone. So maybe if you don't like a game playing by its rules, you don't like that game. And that's okay. So I would actually, no, I, that statement <laughs> I disagree with. So vehemently that I'm doing an entire episode on that statement, which at its heart, I don't, I don't disagree that you're playing a different version of that game, but there are games out there. And again, back to the Gloomhaven example, I would never play Gloomhaven raw. I would have never, ever played through that game and kept playing it. But I played that game for something close to 160 hours worth of play because we tweaked it to be fun for us. I was still playing Gloomhaven. I was just ignoring a couple rules that we found unfun or fiddly or for whatever reason. I think I was still playing Gloomhaven, though. I will say the more rules a game has, the easier it is to break them and have it still be the game. Yes, like you're yes. changing small things, but if you're looking at a game like Go, something so sure. simple, <laughs> sure, you can't. You know, like there, there's just some like the more rules there are, the easier it is to change them and have it still feel the same. Yeah, I you know, and I like to respect the designers, and I do think we should be trying to play within the spirit of the game. And I think as long as you are trying to follow the spirit of the rules, if not necessarily the letter of the law, then you are still playing the game. And that's where your Gloomhaven edits come in, is they are they're making the game a little bit more fun for you. And it's a cooperative game. It's not affecting the balance of the game, because that's what I hear a lot, is like, 
if these house rules are affecting the balance, especially in a competitive game, for one player's advantage over another, that's not as much fun. But if you're giving the players maybe a little bit of an advantage, like, you don't want to win every time. If you're making the rules so you win every time, then I don't think you are playing in the spirit of the game. But if you're making them just a little bit easier, or even just a little bit less fiddly, but it doesn't necessarily change the balance. If both, you know, sides of the game are playing by the same rules, then why not? I, I would agree. A uh, quick question that Miles had. Um, how much of the 160 hours that I spend setting up and tearing down Gloomhaven? I would say about a third. <laughs> um, <laughs> we played 60 scenarios, I believe, with three players averaging about two hours per play so it's like 120 hours there and then i think another 40 hours of setup and teardown and just in general um but i kidding i agree with what you're saying with if you're within the spirit of the rules now a lot of what i'm talking about so far is co-op games um and potentially potentially multiplayer games that are you know like traditional four-player board game, you're all sitting around a board, maybe there's something that the whole group of you doesn't like or something like that. Um, In those games, I haven't really found a reason to tweak rules. It's fine that they play the way they play unless we get something wrong. Usually, this comes into play in co-op games. Oftentimes, I don't even consider tweaking rules outside of that. Um, The next question I have here, and and we're going to get back to the co-op question in a second. Um, (sighs) This is going to sound, this is, again, these are just loaded questions, but does the designer (laughs) really know best? You know, does the designer know their game better than anyone else? And I am going to say... In the beginning, probably. In the beginning, (laughs) probably. A hundred percent, yes. In the beginning, yes. However, I am one person. I have been doing game design for basically my entire life, professionally for 15 years. But for my entire life, I constantly designing something in my head. And I know that as soon as a game of mine gets out into the wild, someone else is going to be able to play this game and know this game better than I do. Because different people have different investments in these things. And it's really cool as a designer to see your game like take on a life of its own. And like, oh, wow, you did something I'd never expected that you could possibly do. But the real point I'm trying to make here is when you have an internet's worth of players on your game, or just say thousands of people, because typically in a board game, that's the best you're going to hit. Thousands of people playing your game, and there's a decent amount of people coming back and saying, hey, this particular aspect of the game seems broken or unbalanced or whatever. You have to be a pretty thick designer to say, nope, you are all wrong, I'm right. Because there, there's so many plays now that are happening that you didn't get a chance to play. There's so many different people playing it that you didn't see during your playtesting and design. And this is a lot of reasons why second editions get made and why expansions and why errata and why rules corrections and why FAQs. And there are so many after-the-fact adjustments to rules that it fascinates me that people think that rules as they are written down are the ones that must be played until someone else writes down a different rule and they're from the publisher or the designer. And nine times out of 10, it's only from the publisher that a correction will get because a designer can come on and say, I intended it to play this way. But until the publisher actually issues an official errata or something like that, it doesn't matter what the designer said. And it's interesting to me to watch that. It's interesting to me to watch the internet say, no designer, you're wrong. The rules say this. And it happens all the time. So you asked me a question, I think, somewhere in there about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> and didn't want to <laughs> Which was, is the designer always right? I, I think was a question that you answered. Does the designer really us. know best? Yes. Does the designer really know best about their particular rule set? And my response to that is... No, because if the designer always knew best, there would be no such profession as a game developer. There you go. That is the whole reason that developers exist, is that because sometimes designers, you know, they have a great idea, but they they can't get it all the way there. And if you're interested in this, um, go back to Dice Tower Now a few weeks ago. Corey did a great series on what 
these different roles are. And it was very interesting. And a developer is somebody who can come in and say like, hey, we need to tweak this. And games that have gone through more development often have more comprehensive and clearer rule sets than games that have had just one designer's eyes on them. Because I think any one person, there's only so much you can do, so much you can think of. And once things happen out in the world, you need that input from other people. And this is why second editions exist. And this is why games get eroded and everything that you've just talked about. And yeah, you can't just be like one person can no longer own something that has been put out to so many people who will then love it. If people are loving your game, especially with this rule change, who are you to say like, oh, no, 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 no. You can't love something almost exactly how I made it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The developer, if there is a developer, they're typically the ones that are making those final tweaks, making sure the game flows well, making sure that the rough edges are off there. The designer comes up with the the overall idea, the concept, the the core rule set, the developer refines that. Now, if you get lucky, you get someone completely different to write the rules. <laughs> I listened to a fantastic podcast. I listened to, um, oh, this is, it's escaping me. Cautionary Tales. It is an amazing podcast. Everyone oh, should check yeah. it out. I second that. Yeah, it's so good. They recently had a podcast about the, essentially the curse of knowledge. When we're trying to explain someone, something to someone else, we have a certain knowledge about that thing. And we make these unconscious assumptions when we're trying to explain someone to something else. When a designer, especially with no developer, writes their own rule system, rule book, the amount of knowledge that they are assuming subconsciously that other people understand is immense. And when you look at a badly written rule book, you can tell that they thought there was something, like you should understand something that is not written down. Can you look like you're bursting at the seams to say something? Have you ever seen um, somebody pretend that they don't know how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Yeah, and have someone describe <laughs> to them. That's exactly what this is. <laughs> like, yep. and then, you know, they say like, put the peanut butter on the side of the bread, and they like dip their hand into the jar. They're like, no, 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 use a knife, and then they start putting it like on the crust of the outside of the bread, and like, this is what it is. Is it's. Everybody knows how you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But if you like can really pretend to like disassociate yourself from how this is made and listen to the instructions you're getting and follow them to the letter, it's absurd what you can. And there's a great, I think, YouTube video of a dad messing video. with his kids. It's so good. We'll so find good. it and put a link in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it. It's, it's so great. <laughs> but, but that's basically what it comes down to. So when these rules come out and you're reading them and it doesn't make sense to you, it's not that it's a bad game. I'm sure the game in the designer's head that he was trying to explain, he or she was trying to explain, is a fine game. But maybe there's something there that just wasn't conveyed correctly. And therefore, you're like, you know something? I get it. You know, Gloomhaven, back to that one. Isaac knew what he was doing when he was talking about the elements. He never took it out. Frosthaven's coming out. Um, Jaws of the Lion is already out. Like, this this elemental track is in all of these systems. He meant to put that in there. Most people, I would say the vast majority of people, don't care. It's fine. It's fiddly. <laughs> they forget about it. But it's part of the rules, so they deal with it. I'm like... No, it's fiddly. I forget about it. It's part of the rules, but I'm just going to ignore it because I'd rather ignore the rule than keep forgetting about it while playing the game. But that's, it's okay. Like, that's what he envisioned. When he's playing it, it is second nature to him to just automatically do those things. It's, it's kind of like he's explaining the game. This is how you do it, but not understanding that there's a lot to keep track of in your head and he can keep track of all of this. And again, most people can. I, I don't think. Actually, I think most people do house rules. Some gloom. There's so many videos on my top five house <laughs> rules of Gloomhaven and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of house rules there. But it's one of those things where sometimes there's just too much overload. Where it's like, okay, I just need to simplify this for myself. Like I love what's here, but I need to simplify it for myself. Um, are we to the point where I should talk about the thread that I started that started this all off? Yeah, we're halfway through the episode, so maybe it's a good time right. to okay. get so, yourself and, in trouble here. <laughs> and I'm not going to post anything. 
Uh, well, it's already it's on BGG. If you go to the Marvel Champions forum, um, you can see it there. It's it's the and I I made a very clickbaity subject that I have since changed because I was called out on the clickbaity subject of it. Um, but <laughs> I did it anyway. My subject was I can't play Scarlet Witch and Quicksaver Quicksilver together. Question mark. Seriously. Question mark. So Scarlet Witch, if you follow the Marvel Universe at all, you know that Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are brother and sister. And their character decks come with a signature ally of the other one in their deck. So Quicksilver has Scarlet Witch as an ally that you can't remove from his deck. It's part of who he is. And Scarlet Witch is there. And on Scarlet Witch, they have Quicksilver. Um, if you've never played Marvel Champions, essentially there is a rule in Marvel Champions that says if... One character is in play. You can't play a character that is matching, has a matching name. So if I am playing Scarlet Witch and Kitty, you're playing Quicksilver and you draw the Scarlet Witch ally card into your hand, you can't play it ever in that game because I'm already in play. I exist. So you can always use a card as a resource and it's a wild resource. So that's fine. Like it's not a completely dead card. It just doesn't do what it's supposed to do when you put those two together. And my annoyance, and it's just an annoyance, but my annoyance was, and Ant-Man and Wasp have the same problem. My annoyance was, I want to play these two things together. But when I'm playing this with Sydney, I have to explain to her, okay, this card that you're going to draw, it's it, you can't play it. Why? Because we're playing together. And because I'm here, you can't also play that card. And it's just a conversation that just seems clunky to have, saying, yeah, I know, if you can't take it out of your deck either, it has to be there, but you can't play it, because we're playing these two characters that are supposed to be played together, together. Now, end of the thread, these two, these two particular characters are actually very synergetic when played together anyway, so having that one dead card is not a big deal. The other two sets of these cards are, or characters are not as synergetic. But that was my problem. I'm like, just like, this is annoying to me that you can't take this card out of the deck and just replace it with something else as I'm playing these two together. So, um, Terrence asked, so it's a rule, but you can't drop the card. Correct. Um, so my solution was to simply say, look, you can play this card. And if you play this card, it all is basically saying is, hey, great, Scarlet Witch is a little bit better. It's not that she's in play twice, it's that she's just better. And holy cow, did the internet <laughs> decide how very wrong I was that I would dare want to make the game. So what was the if it, ultra easy that I would change this one rule for this one card? It was amazing to me how very, very defensive people got by how I was breaking the game or how it was unnecessary or I was called a bad player. Only a bad player would want to make this change. Um, so many things of just like, how could you even think about that? This is absurd. Why does this bother you? So many things. Also, this has been talked about Ever since the game came out, it's been something that comes up every week. I'm like, then it's obviously a problem if it comes up every week. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was my experience with the internet. And I try so hard not to post negative things. It was one in the morning, and I was tired, and I was looking at these two decks, and it was annoying. And I posted, and it was a mistake. I should have never engaged the internet on this particular topic, but I did. And wow. And I can't turn it off anymore. I can't turn it off. No matter how much I'm like, okay, you've convinced me. Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, they play fine together. Still not convinced about Spider-Woman and Captain Marvel, but I didn't even know they were team-up characters anyway, so whatever. But yeah, I'm just, whew, yeah. So why are people so passionate about this? That's my question. I don't know, Chris. Why are they so passionate? <laughs> <laughs> um, here's some of my answers, but I don't think... They're very <laughs> um, good. In this situation, you have taken like three circles to create quite a center of the Venn diagram because this is people who really love board games, people who really love Marvel, and people who have BGG accounts that they use. <laughs> and the center of that is just people who care a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and then you 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 put it, you put that up there and you know 
What what did you think was going to happen? You know, I I, I honestly you really, don't really care. <laughs> I know. I honestly don't know. I actually thought that a number of people or most people would come back and be like, I know that's so annoying. This is how I house rule it or that's how I house rule it. That's sort of what I thought I was going to get. Um about, I don't know, 25 30 posts in, I finally responded saying, "Look, I'm I'm backing off. You're right. I'm wrong. I don't know what I was expecting except for people to defend the rules, which again started a whole nother storm. And <laughs> it was it was messy. I I don't regret anything I said, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> but my ultimate like <laughs> someone actually commented Honestly, I can't believe this bothers you that much that you made a thread about it and spent this much energy on the topic. Now, my response, and this is verbatim, I'm reading in this right from this. What a weird we're comment. All bothered, we're all bothered by different things. I'm sure there are things that drive you crazy that others see no justification for. Maybe not. For me, it's rules and or rulings on games I really want to love that push me away. I'm passionate enough about games to generally want to speak my mind about these issues when I encounter them. And I stand by that. I do. That comment was petty. A design problem in Marvel Champions. <laughs> you just say, like, I'm so, like, why did you even bother commenting then? Like, yeah. your whole justification well, is, is saying that I'm petty? Well, you're petty for saying I'm petty. Oh, there was plenty <laughs> of that. Uh, again, I tried not to be. I tried to like justify my stance and why I found this as a problem. Because there are a lot of people like, well, this problem here and here and this deck and that deck. I'm like, yes, but all those cases, you can actually swap out those cards. The problem isn't the card exists. The problem is that you can't take it out of your deck. That, that was my premise. But it just, it went on so much. And it doesn't really matter what you say because the internet's not truly interested in reading context. And I know this. I This is why I hate Reddit so much. And, I, and I'll rag on Reddit all the time. I'll rag on any kind of forum thing because people don't, they don't want to discuss. They want to have their opinion be the loudest. And it breaks down. If I were talking to any of these people in person, all of them, I think we'd actually have a very pleasant conversation. We all like this game. We're all passionate about this game. And we could all have a very civil conversation about this. But when you take it to the forums, it's just not everyone is good at conveying uh, ideas in written form. And it becomes something that breaks down pretty quickly. And I will admit that in many cases, I was, I'm, I'm a passive aggressive person and it doesn't always sell well, uh, in text. So yeah, yeah, people are passionate. I'm scared of them. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, when you're in an internet forum, there's two things. You have the lack of tone and you have the power of anonymity. And it's very hard. But I will, on Reddit's behalf, you know, stand up for some subreddits are much more wholesome and nice than others. And some of them can be incredibly hostile and mean places. <laughs> yeah, I just like, um, I read all the funny ones. And all the funny yeah. ones are just are just funny. Like, there's no one... I follow a, jerk, a really. bunch of like crafting subreddits is most of what I do. And like the cross stitch subreddit is one of the nicest and happiest places on the internet. And it's just everyone being like, look what I made. And everyone's like, oh, it's beautiful. Or like, you know, sometimes <laughs> you go like, how do I do this? And someone's like, well, here's how I do it, but that's not the only right way. And like, it's, it's just a happy place, but you know. Yeah, you don't see that on BGG. On BGG, someone's like, <laughs> "No, I got this score on this co-op game, and it seems so high." And then you have fifteen people saying, "Well, you probably played wrong." <laughs> it's it's just amazing. It's amazing. <sighs> I, so I, I have a question for you, Chris. Um, that yes. I I don't want to um, make you as angry as the internet, but I, I've kind of noticed a tendency of yours to make things easier because it's more fun for you. Um. Not, I don't know. Maybe, sure. So, um, I, I I think that that's I think that's <laughs> valid. I don't think that it's fun to get punched in the face over and over and over again. So if something is, what are you doing with your board games, Chris? What what? What are you doing with your board games? I'm just saying they like to punch me in the face. Um, I think that it's not easy. It's not making something easy that is 
my goal is making something less frustrating. I think that that is actually the main thing. So in this particular, in the Marvel Champions thing, it's frustrating to see this card that I want to play, but I can't in a team up that is an obvious team up. So to me, that is frustrating. And to a lot of other people, as I've been yelled at for, um, it's not frustrating <laughs> to them. But to me, it is. Um, when I take a look at Bloodborne, it is frustrating to get to play this game for three hours and to lose because of one card draw or because there was one less turn than I needed. And the, ent- and the game simply says, you lose, reset to the beginning. That is frustrating to me. And it's not a fun experience. It's not that the game was hard or too hard. It was hard enough to beat me. It's just, it's a bad beat, right? Losing certain games is fine. But when you lose games and it feels like everything you've done to get to that point is just pointless, it's tricky. Especially when it's like just a random event. Like a card draws like, oh, Okay, nothing. Um, so that's the type of thing where I'm like, okay, let's modify this. With Gloomhaven, I don't think it makes anything easier. I think it's just less fiddly. Those rules were mostly just less fiddly. And with the summon rule, I'm like, we didn't even realize that was a rule until, I don't know, months after we started playing. Like, wait, what? It's supposed to work like that? That's just stupid. And that's why we didn't change to using the rule there. But I don't think, I think it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say no. It's not frustration. It's not, I want to make it easy. It's, I want to make it less frustrating. Is that a valid answer? Or is that even an answer? I mean, I think it's just a different it, way of saying. <laughs> Go ahead, Fletcher. I want to hear your input on this. Well, I mean, I, I was just responding to Chris. He was like, is that an answer? I'm, yeah, it's definitely an answer. And, you know, it's a valid answer. <laughs> I mean, like Robinson Crusoe. I just picked this game up, I think this week, last week. Um, I played it seven times in a row before I'm like, I have to put this away because there's other games I want to play. And I lost half those games after playing through the entire thing. None of those games were frustrating, though. Each time, all the way through, I felt like I was making progress or learning something. And the reset was simple. I lost, I can reset. It's not that big a deal. But like Bloodborne, the reset isn't simple. It is It is a 45-minute task on its own. It's like, okay, you lost, reset everything, start over. And that's just not fun. So, like, my house rule on that one, which I I don't know if I'm ever going to pull the game out again. Like, I'm really to the point where I dislike that mechanic of it so much. And there's a few reviewers out there, too. It's like, I'm going to review this game with my house rule, because if I don't put that in there, this game's a two. And I've literally seen a review of Bloodborne that started that out, saying... It's, this game is hard to review because if I review it as written, I cannot recommend this game. It is a terrible game. But with this minor house rule, it's one of my favorite games. And that's crazy, right? Like when a reviewer comes out and says that. So yeah. it's not it's not just me on this. this. This is one of those things where I'm like, if I make a house rule, I can enjoy this game. Do I want to go back and play it with this house rule? Maybe. Maybe I do. There's so much good in that game that maybe I make the tweet. Um, but it's, yeah. Is that game right? I, yeah, sure. It plays fine. And there's plenty of people on the forums that anytime you mention a easier way to make the game work, they'll come back and tell you, it's like, well, you're just not good enough at the game yet. So, you know, get better or do whatever you want. It's your game. That's my favorite response. Do whatever. It's your game. <laughs> it's like, thanks. Thanks for the comment. But I have not. I did. I actually did post my um, house rule in the in the variant section for Bloodborne. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'm trying to make it easy. I'm just trying to make it fun. As long as you're having fun, do whatever you want. It's your game. <laughs> it's, it's your game. <laughs> my game. Crosswords just, with Google. I play... Is it cheating? No. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard because I play such different games than you do. It's so rare for me to have to house rule anything. And I think it's because I don't come up against these frustrations. I play, it's much more likely I'm playing a shorter game with a shorter reset and setup time. And it's something that I'm going to play 
the same way more frequently. So these games that you talk about a lot, it's more scenario-based. It's more story-driven. It's not something that's just, well, this is how you play it, and that's how it goes. The, it, the rules are the same for each scenario, but every scenario is different. And I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I don't have to do this. I don't come up across it. It's It seems a little bit less... Necessary. I don't know. Necessary for me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I will say, so we spent an entire almost hour talking about this. I will say that I can count on one finger the number of games I've house ruled and continue playing. And I've already mentioned it multiple times, and that's Gloomhaven. Most <laughs> games, if I play them and I find something about them that I just, is like a deal breaker for me. I will come up with a solution. It's very difficult for any anyone who's ever done any kind of game design or just, you know, are interested in a lot of game systems. I, I actually don't know. I don't know what it is to have a mind that is not a game design mind. I've always had that. But anyone who has some kind, in my mind, it is difficult for me to not come up with a fix for something that I see as a problem. But I do not like playing games that I have to fix. I do not like playing house rules. I just, I don't. And so typically I'm like, okay, this is how I would fix it, but that's not the rules. So it goes on the shelf. It goes to Gen Con. It goes to the list of 2021 giveaways. It essentially goes away. So they don't have to play it with my modified rule because. Yeah. Yeah. This game just goes away. It disappears. I guess I just don't take that middle step. I play the game and I think, I don't like this game very much. And I don't try to fix it. I just say, Thank you, game, for that one play. I just, <laughs> you Marie Kondo the game? I Marie Kondo my games. I have a box of games that I have Marie Kondoed out of my life almost because 2021 is just 2020 all over again. And I, it's hard because I used to be the kind of person who's like, oh, well, I'll just like donate this. I'll get rid of it. I'll find a place to. But now it's like, well, we've got, you know, Gen Con. I'll just give them away there. I'll put them in Chris's basement. But I don't want to be that person who's <laughs> putting this person on Chris. And now I have a, a box of guilt sitting in my house. And it's, Marie would be very disappointed in me. Yeah. But I, maybe that is, maybe that's the difference. Maybe the people who are, <laughs> you know, basically the, the buy the book or no book at all are the ones that don't care to try and fix it. That's entirely possible. And, and you, yeah, like, these are, maybe this is the group where I'm like, I am talking to a group of people that don't even consider the possibility of changing a rule because these are the rules. And if you don't actually make that, if you don't let that in as a possibility, of course you're not going to understand it when someone else does it. Like, that makes complete sense to me. I've never thought of it that way until this very moment. Thank you. Yeah. To be fair, <laughs> though, like, you know, <laughs> so, so Matthew, I'm going to pick on you a little bit. Uh, Matthew said, I don't like house-ruled games. And it's not that I don't like house-ruled games. It's that I don't house-rule my games. So like, if I go to Chris's house and he says, this is how we play this game, fine. Honestly, I probably didn't read the rule book. I'm just trusting Chris and he's telling me this <laughs> is the rule. <laughs> and that's fine. They're I just don't make up my own rules at my house because I like games because I like following their rules. Yeah, there are games that I will intentionally teach my way, um, just it's <laughs> just so that it's easier. I don't have to deal with it. I can't think of any off the top of my head, and they're usually simple games, and they usually have to do with like setup or something like that. But sometimes it's like, okay, this is the way that we play this particular thing uh, for whatever reason. Um, oftentimes it has to do with like you know draw two, pick one, or something like that, but nothing nothing significant. Um, and then. Terrence actually mentioned, hey, you're a role player. The rules are guidelines to fun. Kitty actually is the rules lawyer in our game <laughs> where <laughs> I am the DM and I will specifically say, yes, that works. I'm, I'm fine with that working that way. And she will come back and say, no, the rules said it doesn't work that way. I'm like, but you want to do this. It would be fun. No, no, no. That I can't do it. This. I'm, so I'm going to do this other thing. I'm like, but you can't. Like, it's just yeah. So no, Kitty is. But I'm the GM. I said you could fun. do that. <laughs> I really enjoy rules. I don't know. <laughs> I am lawful good mom. Everywhere you can find me on social media. <laughs> yeah, 
Which is, and it is a hundred percent fine. Like I'm, I'm okay with that, but I like the rule of cool. I'm a big fan of it and it's rule zero in, in my role playing game books. So I, I utilize that rule maybe more than I should, but I, I don't know. I like the story moving on. I like having fun. I like my, my players being able to do cool things. But if the players don't feel like they did something cool, if they break the rules, then fine, kitty, you can't do it that way. Sorry. The rules say so. Fletcher, you can't. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) something I like about the rules and it is because like, yeah, I had that idea and, you know, it would have been cool if I did it that way. But also because I couldn't do it that way, I came up with a different solution and I never want to feel like well, I can't do that, so I'm just going to do this. It's like, well, I can't do that, so I have to come up with something even better. And I'm going <laughs> to find my way around this rule, and I'm going to figure it out. And that that is fun to me. And yeah. that that is something, you know, if you see the rules as an obstacle, it's not fun. If you see the rules as the way to make things fun, then like it, it's a perspective in some ways. Yeah. Now, I will say, and this will be the final topic on this, um, I, any competitive game, and by, by competitive, I mean tournament level competitive, so dueling game type of thing. Everyone in that competitive field has to be playing by the same rules. And in those games, I study the rules. Keyforge, every ruling, every card interaction, like I know those things inside and out because I have to, because we're all playing by a certain set of rules. And in those cases, house rules never apply. We don't play Keyforge at my house in any way except for the competitive way. This is how this works. This is the ruling for it, period. This can make those types of games unfun for non-competitive players. When I'm playing Dice Masters with Kitty, and I'm like, well, actually, it works this way and this way and this way. <laughs> it makes it unfun for Kitty, who's like, wait a minute, you spent all day studying all these rulings and all these interactions. This is no longer a game I want to play ever again. We've never played Dice Master since. But I think that there's a difference there. And that's why this today's topic was mostly focused on co-op games not on competitive games and even just competitive board games where you're not going to be at a tournament. Um, those games are different. I don't think you house rule those. I think you play them rules as written because they are competitive games and everyone should be playing with the same found like, basis in mind, like the same, like just on the same playing field. I think we also didn't even get into like asymmetrical games and how when you house rule asymmetric games, it can create huge problems. I think it was Cry Havoc we were playing where we <laughs> yeah. completely nerfed Sydney and we were like, oh, well, we were all playing by the same house rule. And it was just like, oh, well, yeah, but well, that's like how I score all my points. In mistake. <laughs> so that wasn't the house rule. That was a rules oversight. And halfway through, we noticed it and said, well, let's just continue playing with that oversight for this game. And at the end of the game, we realized, oh, Okay, so Sydney, you probably would have won, except for you came in last place because that oversight, we never fixed it and never retroactively fixed it. So yeah. getting rules wrong is different than house ruling. Um, but yeah, you have to, I, say, I agree. You know, like, yeah. yeah. It goes back to the same thing. Play the game before you house rule it. And I'm only going to admit it post-credits, but I will admit something post-credits that about this particular topic. Um <laughs> But yeah, first though, we're going to go to the credits. I will remind people, email us to enter the 2021 um, giveaway. We're going to draw more drawings next week. More Draw more drawings, draw more giveaways, draw more names. We're going to draw something next week. <laughs> um, maybe some bluey characters. And if you <laughs> would draw, draw like... pictures. <laughs> exactly, draw pictures. If you would like to send us in a question uh, for our questions and feedback or feedback um, for next week, please do so. Uh, cause next week's going to be a feedback and question episode and yeah. And uh, what else? Is there anything else to remind? No, I think that's the important stuff. All right, Kitty, let's get us to the post credits where I can make an admission. 
Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find the link for that in the show notes, too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miltner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Ganikowski, David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Ann Reynolds, Christopher Letko, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholz, Joe Rackstad, Weatherman Keith, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Loom, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flitham, Eric Salander, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Sir Selly, Andrew Fayesh, Kamal Berth, Peter Fleming, Gary Bunker, Sahara Wentworth, Lightning Steve, Jim Conrad, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Morn, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, Ronald Roy, Tony Simpkins, and David Garner. And thanks to everyone who's ever been a patron. Also, everybody, right now, pull over the car, go to the show notes, scroll down, click on the link. Get my car first. For us, for best podcast on BGG. <laughs> Just saying. And until next week, keep playing games and having fun. Okay, so this week we did not play D&D. It was finally Fletcher's fault. Yeah, it's everyone's my fault. fault. For once. For once. Thanks a lot, Fletcher, for stepping up and giving us a Friday night to back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough, it's been a rough week. Uh, but yeah, okay. So I'm just gonna confess this Scarlet Witch Quicksilver thing. I made the suggestion before looking closely at the decks and before playing them. So this was I really I was house I was premature house ruling which is not something that anyone should do or anyone should recommend and by the end of the thread I just I basically said look I admit it I was wrong I agree these two characters they played just fine together it's still annoying to me but I don't think there's actually a problem there um so the moral of that story is play the game Chris before you house rule it but no 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 I was definitely wrong <laughs> but play the game before you house rule it <laughs> Just saying, the point's not that I was wrong. Once in a while, it happens. Just saying. So speaking of being the rules lawyer and not playing d and I don't think we talked about D&D last week because we went too long because you couldn't see a recorder. And we didn't talk about Cloud Kill. Cloud Kill? Oh, yeah. yeah. The um, fifth level spell you cast against us, Cloud Kill. Oh. And I still can't figure out if we did it right or wrong. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think you cast it wrong to start with, but then you also ended it wrong. So <laughs> I, I don't know if it would have been better or worse for us because I think it starts at you and it rolls out 10 feet per turn. So it wouldn't have been its full radius at the beginning. Interesting. So to give people also who have no idea what we're talking about duration because, instead of yeah. one round, because <laughs> I'm also. I started out as not knowing what she was talking about either. So they encountered a uh, dark elf mage in a room. And they walked into the room. And this mage cast a spell on them. And immediately did a whole bunch of damage, knocking out one of the characters. At the beginning uh, two, of each of... Two of the characters? Two of the characters. Oh, no. And at it, the be- it killed one of the characters outright. And it took the other two down to, like, a fifth of their hit points yeah. in one yeah. go. Knocked, knocked <laughs> one out. Not killed him. Knocked one out. But at the beginning of the turn, they should have taken the damage again per what the spell said. Um, but I'm like, uh, that's a little brutal. And I forgot about it. So yeah, that didn't happen. Now, this was Kitty who's like, wait a minute. I think you're supposed to take damage again. I'm like, uh, no, we're just going to hand wave past we that. We were already past that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he didn't cast Cloud Kill on you. He cast Minor Cloud Kill on you. And it worked exactly the way I said it did. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> DM's prerogative. Go ahead, change that. I don't know, though. It's because it says the fog moves ten feet away from you at the start of each of your turns. So I yeah, don't know. I I honestly don't know either. I just 
needed to do some damage to you guys because you're just walking through all my stuff and I was all sad. So I'm like, okay, this shall, this shall destroy you. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I didn't actually mean to destroy you right away. <laughs> yeah, 5d8 poison damage is a lot of damage for, I don't even remember what level characters we are now, fourth. Okay, fifth, actually. Six, are we six level six. characters? So yeah, we're six. both right. You create a you create a 20-foot sphere of poisonous yellow-green fog centered on a point you choose within range. So 120 feet. So I centered it basically on the door. The fog spend, spreads around corners that last for the duration. Um, do, 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 do. Area is heavily obscured. Creatures take 5d8 poison damage on a failed save. Um, creatures are affected even if they're holding their breath or don't need to breathe. Fog moves 10 feet away from you at the start of each turn, rolling on surfaces. So, yeah. So, basically, the creature enters the spell's area for the first time on a turn or starts its turn there. So, essentially, you would have taken damage twice by the way this was read. So, was, the first time you entered was on the mage's turn. The second time would have been when your turn started. Um, and then it would have rolled and hit you. Because you were standing just behind the group, so um, yeah, we were. I cast minor cloud kill, minor cloud kill. quick burst, you and then you should away. have totally killed us with this spell. It should have killed all of us immediately. It was still a challenge. I... It was still a challenge. <laughs> it was still a challenge. Fifth yeah. level spell <laughs> is a big one to come up against. And I think I may have just you know thought it worked in a way where it's like boom, it does this damage and. Yeah, this is this would be this would be a not a nice move. Saying so you open this door, the spell got cast on you before you had any chance to react whatsoever, everyone dies. I, I even check for traps. Insta TPK. I mean, the name of the spell really should have given it away to you. The name <laughs> of the spell is Cloud Kill. It is not Cloud Injure. It is not Cloud Knockout. <laughs> it is Cloud Kill. Um, for the record. I could have cast it at sixth level and done sixty-eight points of damage. Yeah, but no. <laughs> all right. I also well, could guys... have pointed it out a little earlier than I did, but I didn't. No, no, no. It's all <laughs> okay. Maybe this week we'll play and we'll see the results of Cloud Injure, which is the fourth level <laughs> version of the spell. And... Cloud annoyance. <laughs> Cloud annoyance. <laughs> all right. Bye.